I am Jeff. Good morning. Today, the message is called How to Stay United in a Divided World, which means that we're going to talk about COVID-19 and the divisions that have been created over it. Now, COVID-19 is not the first pandemic in history. It's actually not even the first pandemic in my lifetime. But because of the nature of the virus and the nature of our world today, fast-paced and well-connected, it means that the impact and the consequences of this pandemic have been widespread and fast, more than any other before. The impact of COVID has reached health and life and death, travel, sport, school, church, toilet paper supplies, small businesses, large businesses, employment, income, the housing market, the rental market, mental health, and nearly every other aspect of life as we know it. And that impact of COVID-19 has been managed by each of us. You know, you may not have been impacted by, in terms of your health, yet by COVID, but you have been impacted in all of these other ways and you've had to manage that by your own decisions, but also you've been impacted by the decisions of others, like your government, who make decisions about restrictions and masks and lockdowns and vaccines, like your pastors and your pastoral leaders who make decisions about church, or your boss or your bosses who make decisions about your work. Or your principals and your teachers who make decisions about school. Or your customers who make decisions about if and when they might visit you again or buy from you again. And your family and friends who make their own decisions about what they're comfortable with and what they believe is right. And there's a day that I'll always remember as the turning point or the moment of realization for me in what kind of impact COVID-19 was going to have. And that was the day the Formula One Grand Prix in Melbourne shut down. And I remember reading about it, kind of reading the news in real time as it happened. But then just the other day, I watched this um, documentary behind the scenes of Formula One, talking to the drivers and some of the team principals about what that week or those weeks leading up to that decision in Melbourne, which was the very first race of the whole season, what that was like for them and the difference of opinion that existed. All of pit lane, the whole paddock was divided over what to do. And so Lewis Hamilton, the most famous driver in the world, he said, you know, I can't believe that we're continuing when this virus is on our doorstep. And one of the, uh, the journalists that day at the press conference says, why do you think we're continuing? He said, well, cash is king. The only reason we're all still here is because of money. But then one of the team principals, when he was asked, he said, I cannot believe we're even considering stopping this race. We're all here. We're all ready. A few people are a little bit sick. I can't believe we're even considering stopping this race. The whole of pit lane, all of the crews, all of the team principals, all the drivers were divided over what to do. And I remember that day on the Friday, the 13th of March, 2020, when the decision was made and a guy with a megaphone had the job of telling the waiting crowds outside. And to say that they were disappointed would be an understatement. Kids were devastated. Parents were angry and old men were grumpy because they were hours away from seeing their favorite cars and favorite drivers out on the track. I'd forgotten how divided the world was back in March 2020 because in November 2021, it feels even worse. 
It feels like the divisions run even deeper and the emotions run even higher today than they did back then. And it feels like the decisions that are being made today have even bigger consequences than shutting down one race. The world still today is divided about what to do. We're not here, though, to assess the decisions. And we're not here to assess the decision makers. We're here to deal with the division that exists. Because no matter what is decided tomorrow by you or by anyone else in the world, no matter what happens tomorrow, the division will still exist. Regardless of what the government does, regardless of what your family decide about Christmas, regardless of what your work does, the division still exists. And what we're going to talk about today really applies to any kind of division, but particularly it feels like in the last couple of years things have gotten even worse, that there are divisions in our world now and topics that are just completely unapproachable. And there are conversations that we just cannot have without tensions being raised and and more divisions and fights happening. And opinions about vaccines or mandates or restrictions seem more and more polarised today than ever before. And it doesn't just run through our country. It doesn't just run through your family. It also runs through the church. The division runs through churches all over the world. The division runs through your favourite YouTube preachers and famous Christians on social media, and the division runs through the Lakes Church. There are people in our church who are vaccinated, and they believe it's the Christian thing to do. How can you say that you would love others when you choose not to get vaccinated? And there are others in our church who aren't vaccinated, and they see this as a spiritual issue. How can you say you're committed to Jesus, but give in to fear and give in to pressure and choose to be vaccinated? And there are people who don't believe that anyone should have the right to tell any person what to do with their body or what to put in their body. Only God has the right to say that. And there are others who work on the front lines of health and they're worried about the risk of COVID-19 to them and to their patients. And there are people in our church with health vulnerabilities. And they understand that for them to get COVID-19 would have really severe consequences. And there are others who can't be vaccinated because of the health vulnerabilities that they already have. And there are people who have chosen not to be vaccinated and they're facing restrictions and even facing losing their job. And there are people who aren't sure, don't have peace about it either way and face pressure from friends and family and fellow Christians on all sides. And I see Christians getting tossed and turned and thrown around by every wave of news that comes out with every decision of the government and we're letting these divisions tear relationships apart and tear the church apart. And as far as the media is concerned, as far as the rest of the world is concerned, we should let that happen. We should divide over these issues. We should draw distinctions and reject people who don't agree with us or who have made different decisions to us. We should reject our brothers and sisters in Christ who have different opinions and have made different decisions than we have. So it's time to stop and ask, how can we stay united in a divided world? Is it even possible Can we disagree as Christians without becoming divided? 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and, and he says this kind of thing in a lot of places, but in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he said, I, he said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, in Paul's world, what he's about to go on and apply this to is that people were siding with different pastors and different leaders in the church. For, for us, this could be, you know, well, I'm a disciple of this pastor, and it's right to ignore the government and fight against restrictions and don't ever get vaccinated. And another Christian says, well, oh, really? Well, I'm a disciple of this pastor, and it's right to humbly obey the government and comply with restrictions and just get on with the important work of sharing about Jesus and being the church in whatever way we can. And, and of course, of course, we should all get vaccinated because that is a sign of loving our neighbor. Paul says, don't let there be these divisions. Don't allow these divisions to divide us. Instead, downgrade them, set them aside Instead, be of one mind focused on Christ Jesus, united in thought and purpose with him, and keep the main thing the main thing. Now, there's an old statement that we often use around our church. It's been around for a really long time, hundreds of years. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, freedom. And in all things, love. There are essential things, just a few of them, about the nature of God, about who Jesus is and what he's done, and they are essential things for us to have unity about. We'll fight over those things and we'll fight for those things because we don't want to divide over those issues. We want unity on those issues. But then there's, there's so many other things, really everything about COVID-19, everything related to COVID-19 is in that non-essential category. It's important, but it's not essential to fight over. And so in that, we would say we need to have freedom for ourselves and freedom for each other. And then in all things, whether it's essential or non-essential, we need to have love for each other because our unity, our togetherness should never be under pressure by the things that we're letting divide us today. The world is divided, but we as followers of Jesus have the perfect opportunity to not allow these things, don't let these things divide us. Instead, we should live in harmony, in unity, in peace together as God's family at the lakes and being of one mind united in thought and purpose, not of one mind about COVID-19, not united in thought about what to do about the virus or in response to the government, but of one mind about Christ and united in him. Now, in this passage, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the, the word that the Apostle Paul used in the original ancient Greek language is schismata, which we get schisms from. But he's not talking about factions. He's talking about rips. He's saying, don't let these things tear you apart. Don't allow them to. Instead, when something like this threatens to tear us apart, instead, like a broken bone, we should allow that to come back together and knit back together. That which is unnatural, broken and painful, don't let that happen. Instead, let's bring it back together and allow it to knit together and heal in the way God intended. So our unity in Jesus, our, our unity of thought and purpose in him is not just more important than our unity around COVID. It's on a whole other scale. 
They're not in competition. They don't compete. They don't compare. Our shared devotion to Jesus beats every other issue, including any issue about COVID-19. But then, as if he was trying to make life difficult for us, the Apostle Paul wrote just 10 chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. He says, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. To some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Oh, that's confusing. How do those two things fit together? Don't let there be divisions, but then of course there are, and that's, that's okay. Those things will show who has God's approval and be recognized. What do we do with that? Well, first of all, because of everything else that Paul wrote about unity and about divisions, and And that first passage I read is is just one example of loads of them. We'll we'll come to another one later in the message. We know that if if we think this second one here on the screen means that divisions are good and okay, that can't be right. He can't mean that all divisions are good. Okay. So he must mean a certain kind of division. And the Greek words that he uses are different. So we have translated division in both of those passages because it works in English, but Paul did not write the same Greek word. He wrote two different ones. In the first one, he meant rips or tears. Don't let those things happen. But in this one, he's talking about heresies, which is quite a big word in Christian circles. So so the words are, are different. This is something that is important enough where there's division, let the division be because it's important to see the difference. And then the third thing to help us understand is context. What is he writing about? Now, at the start of the book, he's writing about the differences and factions in parties or rips in groups of people. But here, he's talking about when they had communion. We just did that with a tiny little snack, but when they had communion, they had a whole meal. And what was happening was some people were coming into that meal early. This was usually people who, who had enough money to buy their own food, but they would come in first and they would eat as much food as they could and they would drink as much as they could. It was some form of wine. And so some people in their church would go home from their church celebration of communion loaded up with food and absolutely drunk and then the next group of people would come in usually the poorer people there's no food and there's nothing to drink and they would go home to empty cupboards and that is the division that Paul is talking about that's the heresy that he's pointing out to say these things aren't good Paul isn't saying that divisions are good he's just saying that these divisions should you should let them be it's okay because it will become apparent It might not be right now, but it will become clear that only one of these groups is honoring and pleasing God with their behavior. And the same is true today. When it comes to us and divisions over COVID, we don't need unity around ideas and opinions, but we should be united in our behavior. And we should not copy bad behavior. When, when everybody else, even some people in the church, are speaking rudely or having argumentative conversations or, or only standing up for what they believe and not listening to others, don't copy that behavior. There will be those divisions. Paul calls them heresies. And he says, don't copy those other people, but let those distinctions happen because then we'll see in the long run who is really pleasing God and honoring him. And, and this is what I've seen in my own behavior and in the behavior of others. That sometimes I, 
Sometimes we, as Christians, are displaying what Paul would call the fruit of the Spirit. When we talk about COVID-19, when we make our own decisions, what, what comes out of our mouth is not just the decision and the thought, but love, joy, peace. When was the last time you heard someone talk about COVID stuff with patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Don't copy bad behavior, but instead stand out from the crowd. Look different. Be considerate when other people aren't. Don't be selfish, even when everyone else is just grabbing what's theirs. Let your actions demonstrate your faith in Jesus and your commitment to him. So some questions like these might kind of get to the, the pointy end of this issue for you. When you advocate for your ideas, and I presume you do somewhere, It might just be at home, might just be with one friend, it could be online, it could be who knows where. When you advocate for your ideas, can people still see Jesus in you? When you have discussions online, on social media, do you conduct yourself in a way that that demonstrates the good news of Jesus, his grace and forgiveness and love, or are you just there to make a point? And is the way that you're speaking and the way that you're acting pointing people towards Jesus or distracting people from Jesus? So let's back up in the story of the Bible to see how Jesus modeled this for us. He didn't set bad behavior and he didn't copy bad behavior. But when he had the first communion meal or what we call the last supper with his disciples, he demonstrated the exact opposite. And it started when he walked in the room in John chapter 13 sat down at the head of the table, which was his place to sit, very hierarchical kind of setting. He was at the head of the table, but he got up from that place. He took off his outer robe. He wrapped a towel around him, and one by one, he washed his disciples' feet before they ate. Now, this is a weird thing. If you ever ever get married, don't include foot washing in your wedding ceremony. This is not a biblical thing that I'm about to say to you, it's just weird and it's gross and Christians like to, let's have foot washing as part of our our wet, it's gross. It means nothing to us. We don't wash each other's feet in today's society, but it meant everything to them because foot washing was normal at every meal, but the person at the head of the table never did it. The person at the foot of the table or the lowest servant in the house, they would wash the feet and it was necessary. They lived in, in a society without closed in shoes, with very dusty roads, without, prop, you know, without today's standards of garbage systems and sewerage systems. Washing feet was not just um, a, a nice cultural thing to do, it was kind of important to clean your feet before you eat and, and they would recline to eat. So anyway, Jesus does this. He wasn't supposed to. And Jesus, one by one, intimately, sacrificially, with a a servant heart, goes around and washes the disciples' feet, including John, who he was closest to, including Peter, who that same night was going to flat out deny that he ever knew Jesus, and including Judas, who only minutes later would betray Jesus to death. Jesus demonstrates this incredible love for friends, frenemies, and enemies. And then he said this in chapter 13, verse 36 of John. He said, your love for one another 
will prove to the world that you are my disciples. But it seems like many of us today reinterpret Jesus' words like this. Your opinion about how the government is handling COVID-19 will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your decision to get vaccinated or to not get vaccinated will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your stance on vaccine passports or vaccine certificates or QR codes or mandates, your stance on those things will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, by all means, we should have thoughts, opinions, prayers about all of those things, but they are not synonymous. They're not the same as faith in Jesus. And they don't prove to anyone that you're a Christian or a disciple of Jesus. But a lot of our division has come because we act like this is the most important thing for Christians today. And you shouldn't even consider yourself a Christian unless you have a particular opinion or you've made a particular decision or you have a particular stance. And so we bitterly disagree. And we explosively divide and act like everyone needs to agree or we're not going to be able to get along. But Jesus didn't say that your insistence that someone else agrees with you will prove to the world. He said, your love will prove to the world. So you don't have to wash anyone else's feet. Remember that. Just keep that in mind. Next time you're doing something, then someone goes, hey, we should wash each other's feet. Just say, no, we don't need to wash each other's feet. It's disgusting. It meant something to them. Let's do something meaningful today. But you do need to love, and your love will prove to the world. And one of the most loving things that you could do is to think of someone that you disagree with. Think of someone who's made a different decision to you and sit down with them and listen, truly listen to what they think and why they've made their decisions. And then let them know that your relationship with them is more important than your opinions and your decisions and your stances. I wonder who you could do that for today. Listen, truly listen, and then let them know that your relationship with them is more important than anything that you disagree about. In the past year, in contrast to everything I've been talking about, in the past year I've been called names by Christians because of COVID-19. I've been yelled at. I've been in arguments. We've had people leave our church over COVID-19 related stuff. And I have been angry and I have been confused and I've chosen to unfollow some people on social media because I just couldn't handle the arguments happening in the comments and in the discussion. And all because I, you, we, were acting like our stance on COVID is the most important thing going on right now. And we've spiritualized our opinions and we've spiritualized our decisions. So one person says, getting vaccinated is an expression of our love for each other. It's the best way a Christian can care for others. And another says that getting vaccinated is giving in to fear. It's giving in to control. It's giving in to the empire of this world. And someone else says that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast talked about in the book of Revelation. And if you get vaccinated, you're denying God and he'll deny you. And someone else says that, well, we should obey the government because that's what the Apostle Paul wrote in two places in the New Testament. And when we obey the government, we're honouring God. And 
Someone else says, yeah, but that's not an all-encompassing statement for all time. We need to be more discerning. And which government decisions will we comply with and which ones will we not? And in, in his day, in the Apostle Paul's day, they faced a very similar issue. They weren't deciding about whether to get vaccinated or not, but they spiritualized a decision that they had to wrestle with. And that was, what kind of meat will you eat? Now, this wasn't an Australia Day lamb campaign, but they had a decision to make about meat that had been used in the worship of idols, you know, statues, false gods. Can Christians eat that food or can they not? And they spiritualized this in this way. One person would say, well, you can eat any food that you want. If an animal has been sacrificed in worship to a false god, in, 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 to an idol, who cares? Our God is way bigger, way more important than that. And so just trust him and eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And other people would say, no, 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 this is really important. We need to be really careful because meat that's been sacrificed to an idol is an act of worship against God. And God is, is, is jealous for our hearts. If we replaced God with anything else in our hearts, we worship anything else, that is, that is really a big deal. That would be denying God and his power in our life. And into this division, into this spiritualizing of opinions and stances and decisions, we find some great insight from the Apostle Paul. He, he was able to bring some good summaries and some, some helpful stuff as he wrestled through how to stay united when everyone else was being divided. And he said that this issue was a conscience issue, but that it wasn't just between them and God. They needed to have consideration for the people around them. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, for example, he says, Now, regarding your question about food that's been offered to idols, he's responding to their letter. He says, Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. And anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Now, couldn't you apply that, like almost directly, to decisions about COVID-19 and, and vaccination? Now, regarding your question about vaccinations, yes, we know that we all have knowledge and information about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. And anyone who claims to know all the answers actually doesn't know very much, but the person who loves God is the one whom God affirms recognizes, approves of. So Paul goes on in this, in this passage to say that the decision is a conscience decision. You get to decide about food sacrifice to idols. And we can apply this to lots of things in our life, and I think it really applies to COVID-19 issues. It's a conscience decision. If before God you believe it's right to do something, then that's right for you to do. If before God you believe it's not right for you to do something, then it's not right for you to do it. And you're allowed to change your mind because it's between you and God. It's your conscience. But it doesn't end there. It also comes with this, this real intense consideration for each other so that I don't impose my decisions on you and say, well, I've done this, so you have to do this as well. And we don't expect this unity of decision-making on non-essential issues. So it's not our knowledge. It's not our information. It's not our opinions that are going to build up the church or build up each other. In fact, at the moment, our knowledge, our opinions, our information is what we're letting divide the church. Like I have to make everyone agree with me or 
Other people have to make me agree with them or we just can't get along. Like we can't be part of the same family if we don't agree about this stuff. But instead, we can set aside those things and take hold of consideration for each other. We need to use both our conscience and our consideration. I need to set aside my knowledge, my information and my view if it's going to divide us and consider how what I'm doing is affecting other people. So the three ways that we're going to stay united in a divided world, we're not going to copy bad behavior. We're going to love people that we disagree with. And we're going to use our conscience and our consideration for others. And we can be united even if we disagree about the hottest issues of our day. Now, I really ummed and ahed about this next bit, like what to do. But it would make for a boring message on unity if I didn't give us a chance to practice. So I want to tell you what I personally have decided and why and what I've done. Now, I'm not telling you this because these are the decisions that you should make. I'm not telling you this because you should do what I've done. And I'm definitely not telling you this to make you angry or to make you happy. Because I reckon at some point in this whole message this morning, I will manage to offend all of us, myself included. You know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night tonight and be offended at something that I said to myself. But I hope that this offense will cause us to snap out of the divisions that we're letting ourselves fall into. So by way of example, I'm going to tell you, and if you agree, that's fine. If you don't agree, that's fine. If you still don't know what to do for yourself afterwards, that's fine as well. But hopefully I can share in a way that sets a model for these kinds of conversations. So first of all, I'm not afraid of COVID-19. I've been fairly sheltered from it here in Cairns, as I presume many of you have as well. But I'm not afraid of getting sick and I'm not afraid of dying in the same way that I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of dying, getting hit by a car or death from anything. You know, I'd like to be healthy. I would like to live well and have a good, healthy life. But I'm confident that my faith in Jesus can carry me through anything. And even through death, because of him, I'll be resurrected and restored and with him forever. So I'm not afraid. I'm glad that I'm not in government because I think they face an impossible situation with no easy answers. And I I get that lockdowns help our physical health, but I know that they cause immense mental and emotional and social struggles. I don't like lockdowns, but I appreciate why the government is using them. And when they happen, I do what I can for myself and my family and anything I can to help others survive and recover. I'm grateful for the medical professionals and researchers who know more about things than I do. I don't like wearing a mask, but I get how they help. And so I'm happy to if I'm asked to wear one or any time that I think I should wear one. I've received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine and I wasn't afraid that I was giving in to fear. I didn't believe at all that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And I don't believe that I'm participating in an agenda towards one world government. But even if I was, or even if I I am accidentally, I'm also not worried about that because God is much bigger than human plans, human agendas, or my mistakes. And I've tried as hard as I can to listen to the points of view of people who agree with me and listen to the points of view and decisions of people who disagree with me. And when there's been room for discussion, we've discussed. And other times I've just listened 
And sometimes I haven't acted in love or with consideration. And at times I've had to go back to a person and apologize or reconcile because I've let divisions happen. And like I said before, there are people that I've chosen to unfollow on social media for my own boundaries because the conversations that happen in the comments are just so frustrating to me and unhelpful. I'll talk about anything with anyone in person, but I'll stay away from public stuff online. So whether you agree with what I've done and my decisions or not, I I don't mind. But here's what is important to me and should be important for us. That God is eternal and God is love. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived and died and was buried. And on the third day he rose again, he was seen by hundreds of people and he ascended to heaven. And he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. And none of those things are affected by COVID-19 or my decisions or your decisions. Those divisions that we allow don't matter anywhere near as much as the media wants us to believe or that my own mind wants me to believe. And here's something else that's important to me and should be important to us is, is what am I becoming known for? My stance on COVID or my vaccination status? Is that what I want people to know about me? Or do I want them to know about my faith in Jesus, my love for others, and hopefully the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me? Now, before we finish, a burning question in some of your minds will be, what is the church going to do from December 17 or whenever that change happens when the government starts distinguishing between vaccinated and unvaccinated people? Well, as far as we know, <clears throat> we won't be asked to make that distinction. At the moment, what we understand is we'll be able to have both vaccinated and unvaccinated people at our services and hopefully under similar capacity limits to what we have right now. But we're waiting for further information. And we're aware that this is a really big deal because there are people in our church who can't be or have chosen not to be vaccinated. And we're aware that there are people in our church and there will be people in our church who have increased vulnerability because of their health situation or because of their job or because of their family. And all of these people, all of you, matter to God and matter to our church community. So we don't know yet what rules the government will put in place. We don't know yet what life will be like when there's COVID in the Cairns community, when borders open. But any steps that we take as a church will consider our whole community and our unity in Christ in the face of divisions. So <clears throat> I've preached long enough today. I'm almost done. But I know that even though I might set one of my own records for length of preaching this morning, I may not have addressed the biggest concern that you have. I may not have spoken to the question that you have. And I may not have represented your point of view. And I would love to talk more with you about this. I would genuinely love to listen to each of you about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and the decisions that you've made or that you're making. And so would our team. So would anyone on our staff team and any of our pastoral leaders. So if you don't get a chance to catch me after the service today, I want to give you two ideas, pro tips for having a conversation. The first one is, never talked about this from the stage before. This is just like a, this is a life hack, a church hack, Okay. There's a TV at the back of the room there, the one um, just above the communion table. It's got rotating slides on it. Two of the rotating slides are photo boards, like the Facebook, but not Facebook. They have photos of our pastoral leaders, our elders, 
and also photos of our staff team. So if you don't know who you should talk to or you don't know who those people are, all you need to do is just stand in front of that TV for a few minutes, wait till it comes around, check out the photos. There's, there's the pastoral leaders right there now and then look around the room. Where are they? And try and match the photos up. If you get it wrong, that's okay. Just try again next time. Some people, it's hard to tell what they look like on photos and in real life. Bail up any of them for a chat and a pray at any time. Now, the second one is just contact us. You know, go, go on any of our socials or on our website, send us a message and we can chat by message by email, by phone, or make a time to meet in person and talk. I don't want you going into this week feeling like you haven't been seen or heard or loved by your church family when there's so much division going on. I was talking to someone the other day about all of this stuff and they made the comment, I don't know how we're going to come back from this as a society. And they were talking about, you know, the distinction that the government is going to make between people. I don't know how we can come back from this as a society. And, and I don't know either. And most of that is way beyond my control. But the question stayed with me. How are we going to come back from the divisions that we allow with our friends, with our family, and in our church? How can we come back from divisions in our church? Because one day, COVID-19 will be a distant memory. No matter what you decide and what you do today, one day it will become history. People will look back on it. People will read about it. People will watch documentaries about it. But what will have happened to your family? What will you allow to happen to your closest friends? And what will you allow to happen to your church family? How will we come back from the divisions that we allow to rip us to shreds? So one final word from the Apostle Paul, this time from Ephesians chapter four, he said, make every effort, make every effort, pull out all the stops, do absolutely everything you can to keep yourselves united in the spirit. And he's not talking about getting unity, he's talking about keeping unity. We are united In the spirit, as followers of Jesus, we already have unity. So make every effort to keep that. How? By binding yourselves together with peace. Don't copy bad behavior. Love people that you disagree with and make decisions with your conscience and with consideration for others. Because this, this, this is how the world will know that we are followers of Jesus. Let's pray. God, as we talk about all this stuff, it brings up a lot of pain and a lot of sadness. It brings up um, the fact that we haven't been able to see family and friends who live in other states for a really long time. We haven't been able to go home to our home countries for a really long time. And we've been at the receiving end of some really angry stuff. Sometimes we've been on the giving end as well. So as as we talk about staying united in a divided world, Lord, 
it starts with your work within us. We can't be peaceful towards others unless we have peace from you within ourselves. We'll find it hard to forgive others if we can't forgive ourselves. And so right now, Lord, we just bring the, the, the pain, the trauma of the last couple of years. We bring our fears about tomorrow. What is going to happen and what will that mean? And we bring the pain of the divisions that exist in our life to you. so that we're able to prove to the world that we belong to you because we're able to love each other. And I ask this in your name.